Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. So when this whole Bernardo business started, again, I thought of Doug and Donna French. I thought of Debbie Mahaffey, Kristen, Leslie, Tammy Homolka, Carla's sister, who she set up for Bernardo, who also died, Tammy. And I thought, you know, we're going to get so focused on Bernardo, we're going to forget there are other cases, there are other incidents, there are other cases going on that we should talk about because they illustrate just how significantly large this problem is. And I went through this for several years in the 1990s. And some of the stories that we covered were just absolutely horrific. And people became engaged and decided to do something about it. And the laws changed, the regulations changed, because public pressure made a change. Child killers are released from prison in Canada. Got it? Harold Smeltzer, abducted, sexually assaulted, murdered. And this is going to be hard to listen to, so if you can't, turn your radio down for a few seconds. Harold Smeltzer, abducted, sexually assaulted, murdered, and disposed of five-year-old Kimberly Thompson of Calgary in a garbage bag. I know it's so hard for her sister, who's with us now, to hear this. But she knows, obviously. Smelter had assaulted more than 40 women and girls by the time he abducted Kimmy. Today, he's still assessed as a moderate to high risk to reoffend. But the parole board placed him in a halfway house. A halfway house is sort of an intermediary step between the prison and being fully paroled. So you have to live there, but you live in a reasonably normal, quote-unquote, life. You're still supervised, but you, uh, you don't live the prison life. Now the parole board, from what uh, Tina, Kimberly's sister, tells me, has provided Smeltzer with the right to just stay out all night on weekends. Hi, Tina. How are you? How are you, Tina? I'm okay. Um, I cope. You know, it gets it doesn't get any easier. I get reminded not just every six months, but every month when they decide to give him his overnight visits. How old were you, How old were you when uh, when he? I was murdered 10. your sister. You were ten years old. Yeah. Do you remember how uh, a 10-year-old child deals with this? What, what do you remember of those earliest days for you? Well, I gained a lot of weight because in my 10-year-old brain, I thought that it made me safer because people don't like heavy people. And so I lived the majority of my adult life as morbidly obese until I recently got quite sick. And I've dropped a ton of weight. But it still affects me to this day. That's what people have to remember. 
Yeah. Even though the offender, quote unquote, is granted privileges, and it is a privilege to be released after you murder a child. Mm-hmm. Privilege you shouldn't have, in my view. For the right. victims and the victim of the victim's families, it, they, they, it doesn't go away. It doesn't change anything. Nope. You know, I talked to your mom several times, as you know, on the air yep. a number of years ago. And she struggled and suffered. How's your mother? It's the same. You know, doesn't really get any better. Um, help, she's getting older, obviously. She's 70 this year. Um, physically, she's, you know, she's got arthritis and other issues going on. Mentally, she's still lost. You know, when it comes to Kimmy, it it's something that never goes away. Yeah. You I, know, he stole Kimmy from us. So you've been watching the justice system for these years now. R- yeah, remind us what... 48 years. I'm sorry? Yeah, for 48 years. But he, this didn't happen 48 years ago, did it? 1980. 1980. Wow, that's right. January of 1980. When was he first released from prison to give him options to, to get out? 2000, November 2008. So 28 years. Yep. So you've been watching the justice system from the very beginning. It's been mm-hmm. part of your life to watch what yeah. they do with, with Smelter. Mm-hmm. How did, how do you assess how the system, the correctional system, and the parole board have handled him. What's your feeling? How does it make you feel? Frustrated. Because he's still a moderate to high risk to offend, which puts other people, women and children, at risk. Yeah. It horrifies me that people of Regina have to worry every day about whether or not he will strike again. And it's well documented that pedophiles aren't curable. And he's a pedophile. And he had attacked 40 girls and and women prior to... That he admitted to, yes. That he admitted to, right. Yes. And the reason he murdered... Kimmy is because he realized that she would identify him because he lived a block away from us. His nephew was in my class. Oh my, I didn't know that. Yeah. His nephew and I went to to school together. And if he didn't go to school with us, he went to school with my cousins. Because he transferred after that. So it wasn't just hard on us as a family, but his family too, because they have to live with the stigma of what he's done. Uh, you know, when this started, I'm just going to tell you this quickly. This started in the 1970s, this, this change in the justice system. When the then Solicitor General in Pierre Trudeau's government, Trudeau Sr., said in Parliament... I'm I'm paraphrasing, but I'm very, very close to 
quoting him correctly, we will from now on concentrate on the rehabilitation of the individual and not on the protection of society. Yep. And here we are. How's that make you feel, Tina? <laughs> well, it's true. It's still like that. Um, he has a right to appeal to appeal every parole board decision that's made. The victim fam, the victims' families do not. Talk to us about that. Talk to us about how your family's been treated by the uh, parole board, and particularly when it comes to victims' impact statements. Well. Personally, myself, I've never been able to write a victim impact statement because I can't put into words how deeply what he did affected me because it altered my life forever. Not just my life, but my, the rest of my family, anybody in our neighborhood. Still to this day, and it's been, like I said, 48 years since it happened, if I go to Calgary and I meet people who are from Calgary at that time, they know who I am. All I have to do is say Kimmy's name. And people are like, oh my God, I remember when that happened. But we don't get a voice as a community even about whether or not he's out. Because the parole board decided he's done his 25 years and whatever treatment or counseling they deem is necessary for him to remain a moderate to high risk because he applied at 25 years and didn't get it because he hadn't done any of the work. So he took an additional three years to do the work so that he could get out. So he did the work, but he's still considered a moderate to high risk and they let him out. Yes. There was a time, was there not, when he was in uh, that halfway house, so he was out, and he wasn't too far from a school. Did he not inform the parole board that he had uh, thoughts he shouldn't be having? And they put him back in prison for a while. Am I right about well, that? Well, it was that, and they found a video that they had that had some sexual contact content, which he was prohibited from was, from having. Prevent. It was in part of the parole board conditions that he wasn't to have anything sexually related. Did your family... concerning children. Yeah. Did your family have a sense when you went to the parole board, your mom or members of your family went, mm -hmm. did you have a sense that you were just in the way? Yeah, they did. They did. Um, they read their statements. Apparently, they heard what he had to say, and then the decision was made. And... I, I, they, I, I don't believe that anybody felt like they, they were really heard. I didn't go um, because I knew that emotionally I, I couldn't do it. I could not sit in the same room as him. I won't even go to Regina. I have a sister who lives in Imperial. I won't even go to Regina. So the effect on you is forever. Yes. My son has been hyper protected. I wouldn't allow him on any media whatsoever for fear that somebody in his family might see it and show it to him mm. or somehow he would figure out who my kid was. Even so you, though he has a different name than me, I still had that fear. 
So, so you're, yeah, you're living you're living your life in fear because mm-hmm. of because of uh, Smelter. Yep. What changes do you believe need to be made? That, what has to change to make the justice system actually representative and and consider the families of victims and victims and 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 really be a fair justice system? What has to change? Well, I think the victims need to have more rights. I don't believe that the prisoners or the person that committed the crime has any rights after they committed such a crime. Why? Why? They can't, they aren't capable of functioning in a society like a a normal human being. Why do you let them out? Yeah. They should be there forever. Yes, as a taxpayer, I resent the fact that I have to pay for him. However, I would rather pay for him to be behind bars than every other family in this country be safe. You know, I, I tell people about Clifford Olson, who was the British oh. Columbia here, color of children, and was yep. sentenced to life in prison, was held in a maximum security prison in, a, in, a, in solitary confinement, and he wasn't allowed out of his cell for 23 hours a day. He was judged to be, you know, he was judged to be too dangerous to leave his cell. Yep. But when he had a Section 745 parole hearing opportunity— and he was in Regina, Saskatchewan. I'm not sure whether the prison was in Regina or where it was in Saskatchewan. But he was in Saskatchewan, and the parole hearing, 745 hearing, was in Vancouver. So they flew him in a mm-hmm. private—he was too dangerous to leave his cell, but they flew him by private jet, private jet, to the parole opportunity hearing. Meanwhile, Gary and Sharon Rosenfeld, the parents of one of his victims who were living in Ottawa, were told by the federal government of the time, we're not going to pay for your— Expenses to get to Vancouver. Yeah. You just you yeah. just make it on your own. You pay for it. But they fly Olson out in a private jet and back yep. in a private jet. Yep. Yep. My mom attempted many years later to try and get assistance because they she when she went to the parole hearing, victim services denied her because it was too long. If you want to hear more. Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.